Welcome to Belly Dance Alchemy, a captivating blend of the best elements of career and professional development and the magic of belly dance. I'm your host, Kelly Nottingham. Ready to make your day job sparkle and your dance life grow in new and inspiring ways? Let's see what we can brew up. Hello, my lovelies. A long time no talk to. I would like to jump back into the podcast by asking you to imagine the scene. I am at the gym. It is the first week of January of this year. I'm sitting in one of the massage chairs after my workout, talking to the gentleman sitting next to me. He turns to me and says, it's really crowded in the gym this week. And I said, yeah, yeah, it is. But don't worry, give it about three or four weeks. By the end of January, this place is going to be a ghost town. We laughed about it because we all know that that's what happens. Little did I know when I said that, that I would actually be one of the people who had kind of dwindled on my attendance down to a trickle at the gym by the end of January. If your goals or New Year's resolutions, if you set them, tend to fade out after a few weeks or maybe a month, then this episode is for you. All right, unseeable show of hands. How many of you maybe set some New Year's goals or resolutions and you've already felt like some of them have fallen by the wayside? Or how many of you feel like you've maybe fallen completely off the wagon with the goals that you wanted to accomplish this year? You can't see it, but my hand is up. Yours might be as well. Well, the truth is, when we tend to design goals as humans, we often think of new things to add into our lives. Humans, we tend to be a bit naively optimistic about what we can actually accomplish. So we say things like, I'm going to eat more vegetables. I'm going to drink more water. I'm going to meditate more. I'm going to exercise every day. I'm going to spend more time with my significant other or my pets. I'm going to educate myself to grow my career. What we don't necessarily set goals around is what are we going to let go of so that we can actually add those new things into our lives. Subtracting or thinking of something to stop doing isn't necessarily something we naturally think of. In fact, a lot of self-helpy types will actually tell you not to focus on what to stop because you should put your goals in a positive light. So stop eating junk food should be eat healthier food. Okay, fair enough. It's good to know what we're aiming for. Yes, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. We have to identify the behaviors or outcomes that we want. But when we ignore what it is that we don't want, we don't necessarily replace the bad stuff with good stuff. We just pile on the good stuff and expect for the bad stuff to just sort of magically go away on its own. My brother-in-law recently shared an article on social media Um Actually, social media is something I've been doing a lot less of lately. That's why you haven't seen me and my smiling face on social media lately. I'm working on that. Um, But I'm really grateful that this article that my brother-in-law shared popped up on my feed because it is actually what sparked this podcast episode and sparked me into getting back into doing the work that I love instead of getting bogged down with all the crap that I don't love. The article is called 
When less is more, how harnessing the power of subtraction can add to life by Mike Mather. Now, in the article, three University of Virginia professors, Lydie Klotz, Ben Converse, and Gabrielle Adams, tell how we can sometimes gain more by taking things away. Professor Adams says that subtraction has a noticeability problem. So, for example, what Professor Adams says is if you cut words from a paper, no one sees that. If you cut costs out of a projected budget, people may not even know that you've found savings in the first place because they're not seeing it. So one reason people may not be quick to think of subtraction is because it's not something that's usually really given a lot of visibility and therefore it isn't as valued. So why do we accumulate more and more and feel weird about thinking about letting go of things that maybe aren't working? Why do we not think about subtraction? Well, it could be a sunken cost fallacy. This is a cognitive bias. We've talked about this on the show before. In a nutshell, it's hard to give up on something that you feel like you've already dedicated time and energy into. It makes those efforts feel like it was all a waste of your time with no results to show for it if you give up on it now. So instead of letting it go, we just keep plowing along, hoping that eventually it will magically work out. Why else could we maybe feel weird about letting go of things? It could be FOMO, fear of missing out. Now, I like to think of this as FOLO, (laughs) which is fear of losing options. Uh, Those of you who know me and who've talked to me before or worked with me before know that I love keeping my options open. And so it's really hard, especially if you're a creative person, to give up on the idea that something just isn't going to happen. It, It feels like we're letting go of those options. Now, if you are a perfectionist, I am especially looking at you on this one. Follow this fear of losing options can especially come up for us when we're trying to figure out the perfect way to do something or the perfect way to get in shape or the perfect way to improve our veil skills or the perfect way to grow in our careers. It's challenging to think about this idea of giving up on options. And frankly, kind of along the same lines, it's also way more exciting to think of new options or projects than it is to think about culling all of those old projects out. So, pop quiz. Which sounds more fun to you? Going shopping for new items to organize your home office, based on that Pinterest board you created, or going through all your old boxes of financial documents to determine which ones you can throw away. (sighs) It's way more exciting to start on a new project than it is to drag out an old project to finish up, especially if you tend to get that rush of energy when you start something new. In the same way, it's way more exciting to imagine new possibilities than to think about getting rid of old possibilities that didn't work out. Now, Another reason why it's sometimes hard to let go of things that aren't working, it can be the story or the narrative we tell ourselves about what it means about us to let something go. So here's an example. Lydia says at the beginning of the year that she's going to dedicate time every week to practicing her dance skills at home. 
She sets a goal of two hours per week practicing. She researches practice plans online. She comes up with a list of movements that she wants to drill and new skills she wants to develop. She buys a bunch of new DVDs that she can do from home. She may even sign up for an online subscription-based library of dance classes so she can practice. Seven weeks into the new year, she realizes that she has done maybe two hours of practice total since the start of the new year. So what's going on? What's getting in her way? Well, it could be a couple of things. It's hard for her to get started because she wants to create a mood for her dance practice. Now, this involves setting aside a full 45 minutes to an hour in an evening, lighting some candles and some incense, putting on a pretty practice outfit, and having an appropriate playlist. This means that she needs to add an additional 20 minutes just to get herself organized every time. And that's not even including deciding which skills she wants to work on and which DVDs she might want to use. So what else could be going on? Well, she frankly doesn't have a ton of large blocks of time in her schedule because of family obligations. She's got multiple pets. She's got her job. She's got household chores to think about and so on and so on. This keeps her focus divided in a million directions because While she's trying to practice dance, she's thinking about all of the dishes in the sink that are waiting for her. And, oh wait, did she actually get the laundry out of the dryer or is it still sitting in there? Or maybe she should have spent this time at the gym doing cardio instead. Oh, and there's also like 22 other creative projects that she has waiting in the wings for some of her time. So instead of taking a long, hard look at what she could subtract from her responsibilities or her obligations... She keeps trying to power through. After all, if she doesn't do this, it means something about who she is. It means things like she's disorganized. She's not dedicated enough. She's flighty. She doesn't have her stuff together. She's not as capable as other people who do have an hour for dance practice. She's never going to be as good as she wants. She might as well not even bother doing dance anymore if she doesn't have the willpower or motivation to at least practice. Does this sound familiar? She is spiraling into self-recrimination and shame, all because she might have set an unrealistic goal or she's adding on too much fluff to that goal to make it doable. Okay, here's a quick aside. If you have as one of your new goals for this year to find a job that you really enjoy, but you're having a hard time writing your resume, I can absolutely help with that. I have an online resume course that walks you through the process step-by-step using my 20 plus years of corporate training and development experience to help you craft a resume that's really going to make you shine. If you're interested, I will link to it in the show notes. Right now we are running uh, that course for only $57. You get lifetime usage out of that course. You can go back and review as many times as you would like. So if you're interested in growing your uh, expertise in writing your own resume and preparing for your interviews with that resume, and if you'd like to support me and the podcast, I would appreciate it. Thanks. So what's another reason why we tend not to think about subtracting away from goals instead of just continually adding on to them? Well, because we may not have a clear understanding of our motivation of why we want to hit the goal in the first place. 
Now, I've talked about this in other episodes, the importance of understanding the goal behind the goal. When we set a goal, we have an outcome in mind, something that motivates us to try for that goal. But we sometimes stop there and never really question what motivation lies behind that sort of high level, shallow motivation. When that sort of shallow level of motivation isn't enough to drive us to get to our goal, we can give up on trying at all when a deeper motivation might be what's needed to persevere or to maybe shrink that goal down a little bit so that we can focus on what really matters to us. So let's look at another example for this one. Carlos wants to get a professional certification this year. His reasoning? Well, if he gets that certification, he can get on bigger projects at work, which will give him more visibility to the leadership team. Okay, fair enough. Certification equals visibility. But the certification is hard. It's going to take a long time to complete. And Carlos is feeling his drive fade after just a month of online classes and homework in the evening. He starts to ask himself if it's worth giving up this much time with his family in the evenings just to be able to get that extra visibility at work. Now, if we leave Carlos right there to make a decision, he might decide to power through. He's working his way up the ladder. This is the way it's done. The end. Suck it up, buttercup. However, if we pull back another layer of motivation and ask Carlos, what will additional visibility give him? What benefits or emotions or rewards would come because of that visibility? When Carlos asks himself that question, he realizes that the visibility isn't the end goal. Hint, (laughs) visibility is almost never the end goal. What that visibility could provide is a promotion. Okay, well, what does a promotion provide? More pay. And what would more pay provide to Carlos? Well, for him, it would be the opportunity to travel with his family to visit extended family in faraway places. What does that provide? Love, community, connection with family, memories with his kids. That is what Carlos can use as his motivation. And when he refocuses his goal that way, he may realize that he can get that love and community and connection with family without the stress and additional hours of that next level job. In fact, if they just cut back on some spending, they'd have enough money each year to take a trip to visit family. Now Carlos gets to decide if he's ready to push through with the certification or maybe slow down on his timeline for that certification Or he may just drop it completely right now and focus instead on reducing household expenses so they can travel more. James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, shared this quote in his most recent newsletter. It doesn't make sense to continue wanting something if you're not willing to do what it takes to get it. If you don't want to live the lifestyle, then release yourself from the desire to crave the result but not the process, is to guarantee disappointment. What a great quote. He also, by the way, has a fantastic newsletter, jamesclear.com. You can sign up for his newsletter. It's one of my favorites. So this brings up another question. Have you thought much about the day-to-day lifestyle changes that your goals require? Does the end result sound sexy, but the day-to-day sound like a nightmare? 
Do you really want six-pack abs, but when you think about what it's going to take as far as diet and exercise every day to get them, and you're like, "Uh, I'm not really sure I really want six-pack abs that much, maybe there's a goal there instead that's more in line with the process that you're willing to commit to every day or every week, and you can line up your goal instead with that process. So let's brainstorm some practical ways to implement some of these ideas we've talked about today. We all are probably familiar with the 80-20 rule, right? 80% of our results come from 20% of our efforts. So we should focus on that 20% that gives us the biggest payoff. But it is so easy to skip back into focusing on that 80% of the less useful effort, especially over the long haul. So Maybe it's time to ask yourself if your 20% focus area has expanded back out into efforts that don't actually pay off. Maybe you need to reduce back down to that 20%. If you don't know what that 20% is, maybe that is your starting point. Let's figure out what your 20% payoff area is and we can let go of the other 80%. Instead of adding on new goals or projects, Maybe you can take one that you've already set and shrink it down, either in scope or in size, or in what you consider a successful result to be. Maybe your successful result is is too much. It's not necessary to be that big, that complex, that far in advance. Maybe you can size that down a little bit and say, you know what? Success for me can actually look like this. Let's aim for that. So once you think about shrinking down a project or goal that you can let go of it a little bit, does that help to take some pressure off? Instead of beating yourself up for not hitting one of your goals, why not consider removing a barrier to hitting that goal? So here's a simple example. My dogs love to take walks in the park. And frankly, it's great for me to get up and get outside and go take a walk too. But there are days when I just really don't feel like it for whatever reason. I'm feeling tired. I feel busy. I'm just frankly way too comfy to get up and actually go. And on those days, it is supremely easy to find a million excuses and barriers for why we shouldn't go on a walk. I can't find the leashes or they're going to shed in my car. If you've ever lived with a German Shepherd, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or I'll have to pack a bag for their water and my keys and blah, blah, blah. Piling these excuses one on top of another makes for a big old wall of resistance that I can use as a reason not to go. Even though my dogs are literally the sweetest and cutest in the world. Sorry, everybody else. And they love to go on walks and I want to make them happy. So how can I make this process easier? Now, y'all, this is not rocket science. But it is, in fact, brain science. Reduce the obstacles, the barriers to getting started. So we keep the leashes right by the back door so one of my dogs, Snake, can go look at them longingly every time I let them outside. And there's another walk reminder in itself. I leave the back seat cover on in my car all the time to cut down on some of the shedding. And I keep a walking bag packed right by the leashes. So all I have to do is grab that bag, grab the leashes, the keys, and the dogs, and we go. It's amazingly easier to go on walks knowing it's not going to take 20 minutes of prep time. 
So are there any barriers you can reduce to achieving your goal? What can you subtract from the process? This could be as easy as having an ongoing to-do list or process checklist so you don't have to spend time thinking about what you need to do. Now, another big idea here, an interesting idea, is reducing the number of decisions that you need to make. Now, Lydia could benefit from this, right? In our dance example earlier, she has given herself so many options for what to do and how to do it that it can be very overwhelming then to make the decision. And the decision in itself becomes a whole separate thing on her checklist. Instead, think about limiting yourself to a very small, finite set of options for what you're going to make for dinner or your gym routine or your work project or your next big career goal. Give yourself instead the luxury of freed up brain space by only allowing yourself two or three options instead of 50. Now that we've talked through a couple of options for this, I would love for you to share with me ways that you're going to be creative with this idea of reducing your goals, reducing down maybe your options, maybe reducing down uh, barriers that are getting in your way. I would love to hear from you about this. Email me, message me on social media, and be creative with this, but not so creative that it actually becomes a major effort on its own. So now I'm going to go take my dogs for a walk, and then I'm going to go to the gym. Have a wonderful day, everybody, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Well, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to this podcast and share the magic with your dance friends. If you want more, you can sign up for our mailing list at bellydancealchemy.org, or you can email me your suggestions and feedback. I would love to hear from you at bellydancealchemypodcast at gmail.com. Bye. Thank you.